We'll go as far as Revelation 22 today. Um, so we're just going to finish out 21. But, uh, you know, I heard it said by someone way smarter than me that chapter 21 is like a travel brochure for heaven. You know, it's like, here's what's coming. Here's what to look forward to. And as we went through it, you know, some of the things, like last week, I've been enjoying sitting with Judah, and uh, he is initiating conversation. You know, some, sometimes as parents, we initiate conversation, we, we attempt to influence, but it's really cool when it comes the other way. And it's just him saying, so, Dad, heaven's not going to have any night. No bedtimes, you know, like heaven is going to have, you know, this new Jerusalem, this new, this new city coming down. Are the walls really 215 feet thick? You know, like, and I, I said it last week, you know, the, the pearly gates, I, I still don't know what to think of them, you know? And, you know, all Judah said was, wow, you know, like, like that's amazing, right? And so, you know, I, I can say that it's a little glib, it's a little trite, you know, to say it's a travel brochure, but Look, this is not where we're going to be forever. This is not where we're going to be forever. And God wants us to become familiar with... I think it's going to rain on you guys. I'm going to feel so bad. You're all going to disappear. I'm going to be up here all by myself. You should, too. You can all huddle up here, but we don't have a big enough tent. Well, Orrington had a huge tent. I wanted to steal it, but I couldn't figure out how. Uh, God wants us to become familiar with this why. Sometimes we just have to ask that basic question about God's Word. Why did He tell us this? Why did He give us this information? What purpose is this supposed to have in the here and now, right in the thick of what I'm going through? Why was this given to us? Okay? So we look at chapter 21. There's some incredible things, you know? Um, I like it for guys. You know, God says, hey... New heaven, new earth is going to come down. It's going to be better than your wedding day. That point of reference, that point of comparison. You know, then he talks about something we can all relate to. We can all be overjoyed by. He says, look, God is coming down. He's going to be with you. He's going to be, you know, um, present with his people. And God will wipe away every tear from every eye. You know, no more death. No more sorrow. No more crying, no more pain, everything new. The former things, they pass away. And I don't even know how to wrap my mind around this verse, but you know, the Old Testament says we, those things will never come to mind again. I don't think we're going to be any dumber in heaven. I don't really understand that verse in some ways. Will, will we forget the pain that we went through? Like, will, will it all be gone? Or will we truly see the glorious thing that God brought out of what we thought was so bad and so hard? And, and in this life, it, it is. It was. The reality was hard. I don't understand all those things. But I'm reading this just like you're reading it with me. These are promises. Right? And so ultimately, everything we're doing right now comes down to the faithfulness, the integrity, the truthfulness of the promiser. You know, God is either telling the truth or we're the most foolish of all people when we believe something that's not real. This is either true or it's a lie. You know, some people make Revelation 21 and 22 all symbolic and there's symbolism there. There's a depth there that I don't understand. Just like when I got married, I was excited to get married. I thought I knew my wife. And now I'm 10 years in. 
And I feel like I'm just beginning to know my wife, right? Things get better, it gets deeper, it gets more intimate. You know, I saw this, I was on vacation a few weeks ago with my uh, sister's foster son, and uh, we, we were looking at some graphite on a rock, like a little uh, graphite that was embedded in the rock. Anyway, you guys care about graphite. Anyway, apparently God is really into gems, so you should care, even though graphite's not mentioned. So we're looking at graphite, and then I was like, hey, you got a microscope? He's like, yeah, in my room. So we look at it, and we look at 3 power, 10 power, 40 power. And every time we look deeper, it gets more complex, more beautiful, right? I think, personally, I look at creation that way. You know, I can say, wow, that's a beautiful tree. My dad's a biochemist, right? He looks at the insides of cells. Things don't get any less beautiful. They get more amazing as you look deeper and deeper and deeper. What do you think heaven's going to be like? You know, we're talking about the walls here. We're talking about gemstones. We're talking about gates. That's really cool. And I think God put that in there, you know, because the little boy in me, I care about stuff like that. Like, uh... You know, I care about, I, I, you know, it may sound shallow, right? Like, my, I like what my wife wore on her wedding day. But it's not shallow. It's not shallow at all. See, and this can be done two ways. So let me, the physical and the spiritual are not completely divorced. You know, it's not as if, if it's spiritual, it's, there's no element of physical in it. In the end, even the physical is redeemed and brought, and it's, and it's beautiful. Things are real. Heaven is not like sublime like like a dream it's realer than this in a, in a sense and i think not to go all pop culture on you but matrix that movie had some elements of truth in it you know this is like the dream world that's the reality this is like the shadow land that is where everything is as real as it ever could be so in revelation chapter 21 you have this like travel brochure here here's what's coming here's what's coming you know one of the things i love and i, I think i said it last week but everything that we see in this chapter is what it's coming down it's descending you know and i love that because that's what jesus did he came down and he dwelt among us he put on human flesh he humbled himself and came down and you know the, the only way to go up is not to ascend it's not to earn. It's through humility. It's to accept what has come down. Through all of eternity, we are going to be accepting, enjoying, delighting in what God has done and brought to us. Something that we could never have gone out and gotten for ourselves. It doesn't work like that. It will all be a gift. It is to be received like a little child. You know, I don't give my kids gifts and they say, well, dad, I haven't been good this week. It never happened to me. My kids always grab it out of my hands, rip the paper off and say, woohoo. You know, they, they just accept it. They just accept it. I love these chapters, guys, and I know we've been making a plodding, slow course through them, but I don't see any other way. You know, we talked about the outside of the new city, you know, last week. Some things that I didn't mention. So I was, I was looking up some real estate. I'm not planning on moving because I was looking at a place in San Francisco, $37 million, 6,000 square feet. That puts it at about 6,000 and a couple hundred dollars per square foot in this house per square foot 
So we think that's fancy, right? But what did we read about last week? You know, if you do the math and you figure, and I, we could be way off, figure 10 billion people in heaven and figure that a floor, because the city is, what, 1,300, 1,500 miles high, that's what my dad said, International Space Station is, what, 280? 250-something miles up, so we're way beyond that. This is a city the size of the moon. So if you start figuring out the volume of this city, okay, each of us could have a 10-foot floor, right? This is your mansion, right? You know, some people, oh, that's not spiritual, talking about stuff that we're going to have. Well, it's going to be, I'm going to get there, and I'm going to be like, this is awesome. You want your little spiritual? No, no, no. I'll take the physical, real thing that God spent 2,000 years doing just to delight me and to, to, to give to me. Right? So you think about what, what will the size, if that's the size of it all, and there's 10 billion people there. There could be more. It could be less. Right? We don't know. But if there was 10 billion, it's 1,500-mile cube by 1,500-mile, you know, all the way around. Each of us will have 13-mile by 13 mile mansions, 13 miles. That's that's pretty large. I mean, you're talking square footage. That, I don't I don't even know how to do math that big. I have to ask my dad to do math that big for me. In fact, all of these calculations came from my dad. Just a disclaimer. I get lost. My my iPhone doesn't do big numbers without exponents, and I forget how to do exponents. So I need some help, Ian. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> So it's, guys, it's just amazing. And, and it's gold. It's, it's, it's gold like glass. It's that pure. It's, 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 the asphalt is gold. Like, like, look, but that's just the outside. That's like me. You say, well, what do you love about your wife? And I say, well, let me tell you how it all started. She walked down the aisle and she was wearing this. And you're like, okay, 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 okay. And Jess said, I have to stop making compliments like that to her, but I'm not going to listen to her. I'm going to keep making compliments. She was gorgeous, right? But, but that was just the beginning. And so in Revelation 21, you kind of get this, this is what it looks like on the outside, see? But that's just what? The outside. Then he says, come on in. Let's tour the place. Let's, let's go a little deeper. And that's where it gets really special for me because I've said this before. I'm excited that the streets are going to be gold. Excited, probably, like, I mean, I'm sure we'll be, yeah, it'll be cool. But that's not what my heart really longs for in this world. I don't long for more gold, more gems. I don't long for higher walls, thicker walls. I don't really long for more space. The longing that's in my heart and in your heart, the, the, the thing that we really long for, that for some people in the world, they don't even understand the longing that they have, is for a person, a person that they can see face to face, a person that they can trust, a person that will never change, a person that has the power to help them, a person that has the ability to give them what will really satisfy them forever. So it's like Revelation 21, we've talked of it so far, it's like we're on the outside, and then this angel that's showing John around, measuring stuff, and like, look at this, look at that, look at this. He's like, hey, check this out. And in verse 22, he says, John says, but I saw no temple in this new city, in the new Jerusalem. I saw no temple in it 
for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. It's like we've been touring the outside and suddenly, you know, like we're the disciples. Look how magnificent this temple is. And Jesus is like, oh, don't worry, boys, this is all going to fall down. But it's not like going to be like that. But it's like we've been touring the outside. And John's like, and you know what was really amazing? It was who was there. Right? I think everybody's in on, sorry, but, uh, you know, Bob and Tab at a house fire. Right? We're rejoicing because of who is still with us. We're rejoicing because who was preserved. You know, a house is a house. But a home is something different because of who? The people that are there. Heaven is not a structure. Heaven is not a place. The temple, Old Testament proper, or the tabernacle, even the church, these are not just places. There's something so much deeper. But in the end, you know, I was trying to think of how to describe this. Like, we live in Maine, right? It gets really cold in the winter, right? You probably have a heavy jacket, or you or you go home when it gets cold, right? You probably have things to deal with the cold, right? But if you move to West Palm Beach, those things would no longer be relevant to your life. They were important and essential here, but there, they really have no purpose or meaning, right? They're, they're not... Even that analogy breaks down. You know, the, like the priests in the old, you know, the tabernacle, Moses' day, and then Solomon's temple. And, and, you know, it was an important thing. Even Jesus said of the temple in his day, Herod's temple, which was kind of a kind of dirty, slimy, nasty place in some ways. You know, a lot of corrupt things going around there. He said, my house is supposed to be a house of prayer. When he was a little kid and he was there, he said, didn't you, why didn't you know that I'd be in my father's house? It was an important thing. But look, all the, all the priests, all the, all the scribes, all, they all thought it was important, probably in their day they thought this is it this is the reality no that's a shadow the real everything is a person and i say person because we can relate to that because i say god and we're like oh god no 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 he's personal he's personal he's personally in love with you he's personally your creator he's personally going to wipe all of your tears from your eyes, very personally. And John says, I didn't see a temple, you know, because the whole deal is wrapped up in who was inside. And who was inside is God Almighty and the Lamb. You know, a point of equality there, both being fully God. It was very interesting in the Old Testament, in Psalm 63. You don't have to turn there, but just listen. I've always loved this psalm. David uh, running in the wilderness uh, from Saul early on in his life. And listen to what he says. You guys know the way it starts. He says, oh God, you are my God. This already sounds very personal. He says, early in the morning, I will seek, or early, I will seek you. My, my soul longs for what? Stone, mortar, brick, church, tents, temples. Who does his soul long for? You. My flesh longs for you. 
where there is no, uh, I'm, I'm in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I've looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and glory. Where did David look? He was in the middle of the wilderness. He was no, nowhere near the Ark of the Covenant. No, nowhere near the tabernacle. Nowhere near religious stuff. Where did he look? Who did he look for? Is probably the better question. It's not as if none of the things that we have presently are, are, are unimportant. It's just something that much greater is coming. And John says, look, I stepped into this new eternal place and I realized there's not a church on every corner. There's not a big temple over there. There's not any limitations or restrictions on God's personal presence in my life all the time from now forevermore. And I, and I love hearing about that, guys. And we'll, we'll, we'll talk some more about that as we go forward. The city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine. Okay, the moon doesn't shine. Author John knew that, but it reflects the sun's light, right? And it's bright at night. Helps us see at night. The city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the Lamb is the light. Well, this is like two statements right after one, right after another. There's no need for a temple, because God is everything. You know, He is, as a person, He's the completion of everything we've ever wanted. And then, you know, look at this. Can't see the sun. I was going to say earlier, I was thinking about the sun's pretty dependable, but no, it gets obscured by clouds, right? At night, just the rotation of the earth obscures the sun. You know, but the sun is a magnificent thing, you know? Fusion's going on, it's really hot. A couple things about the sun. Try getting close to the sun, this sun, like the actual sun, the S-U-N, right? What will happen? Well, you get close and then you get scorched, you know? You'll be burned up. Now you say, well, the Son of God, that Son, right? He destroys people with the brilliance of His coming. Well, that's true. But for those that have received the gift of His grace and His love, that have said, you're my way, you're my truth, and you're my life forever. You know, we get close and we experience light in the best possible sense. Warmth. You know, He illuminates our path. He illuminates our future. He even, and I think you guys can relate to this, illuminates our past. What we could not understand, you know, in our natural mind, he's growing us, causing us to change. We're even looking back in a different way than we used to, right? The sun is irrelevant in this new place. Think about that, guys. The sun. People have worshipped the sun for thousands of years. The sun is irrelevant because his glory, his power, his presence, his light has eclipsed it all. It's not important there. Well, I think about that, the, the, well, let's keep reading. And the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light. The nations of those who are saved. Okay, I... Much can be said there. We're, we're at a kind of a tumultuous time in our history. You know, my mom said this. I'll share this. She said the other day, and take, take it or leave it, she said, you know, there's been a crazier time that I've lived through. And I said, really, Mom? She goes, yeah, the 60s. She said, Vietnam was going on. The president was shot. His brother was shot. Martin Luther King was shot. There were riots going on. You know what 
how that decade ended from a Christian perspective, the Jesus movement. There's the greatest revival, I believe, in the 20th century in the United States. That's how that decade ended. And we're seeing some of the same kind of maelstrom, like crazy things going on. And rather than just give up hope, throw it all away, I'll tell you something. I woke up this morning, I was, I was mad that we couldn't do church inside. I was mad. And then we come to church, and I'm still kind of like, oh, how could we figure out, how could we, you know, you think I'm more mature than that, but I'm not. Anyway, so we show up, and then Bob walks in, and Tab shows up. Who? I almost said that word, and it almost would be appropriate, but who even cares? Who even cares if we're in there as long as the people that are supposed to be here are here? God preserves life. And I'm like, oh, I want to be inside because that, that's real church. No, no, this is real. This is just as real, right? You know, Jesus said, and it, talking about light, he said, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is unhealthy, if it's bad, if it's evil, if your perspective is off, everything in here will be messed up. So he said, make sure your eye, your perspective, the way that you're looking things is right, and your body will be filled with light. So we look at the, the future reality of everything is that nations are not oppressing one another. The rich nations aren't subjugating the poor nations. Race is irrelevant because there's only always been one race, the human race. One race that God sent his son to die for. We go on and on about all that. The nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light. And and I said this before, it's like, uh, you know, me and Jess have, we've stayed a few nice places since we've had kids, but there's one consistent place. It keeps getting nicer and nicer that we stay every two years, but no more. And that is Eastern Maine Medical Center. <laughs> They've upgraded their rooms, their, their birthing floor. No, I forget what it's called. After you birth, then you go to that other place. That room's nice. It's got like power shades on the window. And sometimes I feel like... Like, we're like trying to grab the remote from God and be like, no, I want it dark. Let's keep it dark. I want it dark in here. And the Lord's like, you, you like the cold? You like stumbling around? You, you're in love with that? But he's never going to rip the remote out of your hand. It's yours to open the shades and say, come on, flood my life with light. And, you know, that's what he's going to do there. But you don't have to wait for there. That can happen here. And it should happen here. And every time you start saying, no, 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 I feel like being in the dark for a little bit. Man, you want his light. That's what we're going to walk in forever. And it's not like a scorching, like, waiting for us to mess up kind of light. It's not like that. It's not like that. Here, I'll finish with a story. Uh, yeah, I'll wait wait a little bit on that. I got a story about a foundation. I got lots of work, construction stories, but we'll finish with that. Illumination, exposure. Sometimes we think it's so bad. It's not bad when it's done by him because what's the reason or the purpose behind it? Every good and every perfect gift comes from above, and he doesn't change. He's always loved you. He always will. So why does he bring things to light? Love. It's a wonderful thing. But I like this next part, guys. Uh, I know you can follow with me. And the nations uh, of the earth, of those who are saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. 
Okay, very basic question. Who are the kings of the earth? Well, Jesus is the king of kings, and he's the king over the rulers of the earth. And we just read a whole book where the rulers of the earth rebelled and basically said, no, get away from us. We're going to follow him, somebody else. We don't want you. So who are the kings of the earth? Any idea? I'll tell you what I think. Try not to be dogmatic, because I think some of the coolest things are things we read in Scripture, and the Lord says, hey, that's for you. And maybe that's mostly what this is. I read, the kings of the earth are going to be there. And I think, whoa, 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 whoa. Maybe. Maybe. It doesn't seem like this is, could even be a possibility. Maybe he's talking about us. Maybe he's talking about us. Is that line up with Scripture? He says we're going to be kings and priests, right? He says that we're going to be ruling and reigning with him. Serving too, but ruling and reigning. He says we have an inheritance. right? If our, if our dad is the king of kings, and we're his sons and daughters, what does that make us? Princes and princesses. I don't like saying princesses in the teaching. I don't know why. It's like hard for me to say. <laughs> Prince is fine. I don't know. Sorry. No, I'm weird. You guys already knew that. The kings of the earth shall bring, listen, they shall bring their glory and honor into it. Well, well, but, but I thought I was just, I thought I was just a custodian. I thought I just worked at Walmart. I thought I was just a physical therapist. I thought I was retired. Like, I thought I was just a dad. I thought I was, you know, I thought I was just a generic believer that went to church and tried try to live a faithful life. Look, no, 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 no. You got it all wrong. From his perspective, you are a king in training. From our own perspective, we think we're we think we're bums. Like David, he got, hey, you're gonna be king, Samuel said. He's like, Me? I'm a shepherd boy. What? I've been like fighting bears and lions, but that doesn't mean anything. No, 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 no. It meant everything, because God saw the heart that was in him. So God is preparing us for an eternity where it's like we're not just not just Joe Schmo and I don't know, I can't think of another name that rhymes. Um, he's preparing us for kingship queenship i mean for to be royalty like if i knew my son was going to be the king of a land or a country how would that change how i was going to raise him you know, i'll play video games a little longer it doesn't matter just you know better to be seen but not heard you know i got stuff to do no we would pour into their lives and say wow the future that's ahead of you you can't see it yet but it's so great and so big you just can't even wrap your mind around it. So trust me, what you guys are doing right now, what God is doing through us and in our lives and with us around the people that we know, if we're being faithful to him, it will bring glory and honor into that future kingdom. And you're like, helping my neighbor with her groceries will bring glory into heaven? Yes, it will. Calling somebody back that you don't like because they're going through a tough time <laughs> and you've got to let go of something that was done. Yeah, that'll bring glory and honor because he's prepared us for kingship. He's preparing us for something. You know, specifically, thousand-year reign, that's there too. You know, we're going to be, I believe, over cities, you know, ruling and reigning with Christ in a way that I can't really understand or explain. But here, I kind of want to prove this to you. I And... and Maybe, again, it's just my take, but 
Turn to Luke 19 with me. I'm not going to go through the whole thing or, you know, really try to pull out every little thing uh, out of it. But Jesus told the parable. Jesus told the parable to his disciples because they thought his kingdom would come immediately as he was going to Jerusalem to die on the cross. So he told them this parable, Luke 19, verse 12. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paraphrase it, guys, just for the sake of time. But he said, there's this nobleman, right? There's this nobleman who was going into a far country to receive a kingdom. Ah, oh, just from the beginning, you guys know this parable. It's about Jesus. Jesus was about to go into a far country to receive a kingdom and to return, right? He was about to go to the cross, right? So this nobleman, who is Jesus, uh, tells his servants, hey, here is each 7,500 bucks. That's what a mina is worth. You guys know the parable. That's what one mina is worth. He gives each servant a mina and says, here's 7,500 bucks. Do business until I get back because I am coming back. You know, uh, whose money was it? It was the master's. Whose gift to them was it? It was the master's gift to them. You know, whose business were they supposed to do? The master's business. Okay. So then um, he went, he received the kingdom, and he came back, and he called all of his servants to account. He wanted to know how much they had traded and done business and invested. And so the first guy that he calls came in and he said, Hey, master, you're Mina, you're 7,500 bucks, earned tenfold $75,000. And the master looks at him and says, Well done. Well done, good servant. Because you were faithful, listen, in very little, 7,500 bucks, we're going to find out this nobleman is, is like the richest guy on the earth. 7,500 bucks is kind of chump change, right? In this story, we're gonna we're gonna hear that he made tenfold. That's great. It's only seventy-five thousand dollars, which to me is a lot, right? Seventy-five hundred bucks is a lot, right? But here's here's what the master says: You were faithful in very little. Here's what you get in reward: Have authority over ten cities. Okay, the New York Yankees are worth five billion dollars. New York City businesses property is worth about one point three trillion dollars. This guy said, oh, you were faithful with 7,500 bucks? Have a trillion dollars to manage. Have a trillion dollars to be an authority over. Right? That's the kind of jump that goes from this world to the next. Right? We think the things we're doing, loving our kids, loving our spouse, being, being humble, showing up to work on time, being, being faithful to what God has said. We think that's so small. And we shouldn't, like, you know, put it on our Facebook. I'm doing so much for the Lord. You're not doing anything. You know? No, that's not, that's not what we're called to do. But just understand. What he is going to take and make of that in eternity. You're going to look back from there and say, I was being prepared to be a king here. I didn't even really know it. I think C.S. Lewis got it when he wrote the Chronicles of Narnia. And he called them, you know, high kings of Narnia. Those little kids. They were being trained for something incredible. That's us. That is us. And the little things that we're doing now, like Jesus said, a glass of water, little things that we're doing now that seem so small and trite and so unimportant are worth an incredible amount in his kingdom and to him. Well done, good servant. Good and faithful servant. That's Matthew 25. Similar story 
uh, different amounts, probably different time they told them. Listen, the second guy came in and he said, I've earned five minas. You know, I love, I love the master of noblemen. Jesus doesn't say, what, only five? Come on, the first guy did 10. What's wrong with you? He doesn't say that at all. He looks at this guy and says, well done, good servant. You were faithful too with a little bit. You're going to have authority over five cities. And that guy wasn't like, oh, only five trillion? That's not enough. The first guy got 10. What's your problem? No, he was, I mean, it's incredible. He never deserved anything. He got the gift in the beginning to manage. He's got authority over five cities now. But then you remember the third guy came in. What did the third guy say? He said, I, I took what you gave and uh, I put it in this handkerchief and I, I, I didn't do anything with it because, because I know that you're a man that has such high expectations. And so I just, I was afraid of you. And uh, I knew that you would be hard on me. I'm obviously paraphrasing. He called, you know, he, he called the nobleman a severe man, a harsh man, you know, a guy that was going to call him to account. And you know what the nobleman says? He says, out of your own wicked mouth, your own words are going to condemn you. You said that I have high expectations. I do have high expectations. And you say it's because of those high expectations that you didn't do anything. No, no, no. The reason you didn't do anything is because you didn't care about the coming kingdom. You didn't care about what I gave you. You didn't care at all to invest in any way. You could have at least taken that amount of money and put it in a bank for interest. And I would have been happy with that. You know what that tells me? And a lot of people get super convicted, like, oh, I'm not investing enough in God's kingdom. No, this story to me tells me that any amount of faith, any amount of faith, faithfulness in any amount is success in his kingdom. If you are being faithful, you cannot fail. Though you, maybe it'll be 10, Minas that you earn, maybe it'll be five, maybe it'll just be interest. That's probably the category that I'm in. But I, I'm afraid, I, I'm not that bold, I don't know how to do this that well. Just, what's, not the bare minimum, but just something, I want to do something. And the nobleman said, if you had just done something, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Very interesting in Matthew, that man, that wicked servant, Jesus calls him wicked and lazy, is taken to a place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. He doesn't even enter the kingdom because he did not esteem the kingdom. The other guys didn't enter the kingdom because they did so well compared to trillions of dollars, but they were faithful with what they received. Look, we're all gonna be accountable for ourselves. I can't tell you what faithfulness in your life looks like other than to the word of God, but the specifics, man, that's for God to mean out to you. It's his mina. It's his business. And I, I just want to encourage you with this. He's preparing us for being kings. I think C.S. Lewis really nailed it. Because you see all those little kids running around the woods fighting with fawns and oh, so many. I love the stories. Not fighting with fawns, but you know. You, they make blunders along the way. So did the disciples. But then we come to heaven and whose names are on the foundations? The, the, those guys? What will we be in eternity? What kind of glory and honor are we bringing into eternity? That's something to think about. Um, look, 25, 
This is Judah's favorite verse in the Bible right now. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day. There shall be no night there. Look, two things. No bedtime. No coming to the end of a great day. You guys have all experienced it. I wish this day would never end. There it doesn't. There it doesn't. I wish death would never cut this, but here it does. But there it doesn't. I wish no one would get sick. I wish that everybody could be here today. There, it's different. There, it's different. Right, Judah, <laughs> no bedtime? I said, and, and the gates are never shut. Because when I was a kid, it drove me nuts to go somewhere and like, and not like in a bad way, like you have to be over 18 to smoke. No, not like that. But when I came to a sign that said, you have to be this tall to ride this way, I was like, what? What? I hate all these things. That it's like everywhere I look, New Jersey is this way still. Everywhere you look, there's no, you just can't do that. No right turn, no left turn, no, this, it's just crazy. Everywhere is no. Heaven will not be no. It'll be yes. It'll be yes, without anything that defiles. Right? We're about to read that part. And they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. Look, every good thing that's here will be better there. It's not like my kids are like animals. Are they going to be there? Yeah, I think. Unless the animals that God is going to create new are even better. Right? Judah said this yesterday. He's like, you know that dinosaur that flies? I'm a fly on that in heaven. It's like, if it's there. But if it's not there, I mean, I think we'll be able to fly. I mean, Jesus could go through walls in his resurrected body, but he could still eat. He wasn't like a ghost because ghosts don't eat ribeyes and fried fish. Like, this is, I don't even know. I don't even know. Things will get better and better and better there. Verse 27, one of the last kind of, well, not the last, but one of them, warnings. But there shall by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. And I have to say, like, that verse, I read it, and I, you could read it a bunch of different ways. I read it one way, and I say, oh my gosh, thank God. No deception. No debauchery. Sorry, sorry big word. You know, no, no gross things. No perversion. No twistedness. No, no lies. No temptation. But then as I start, even that word temptation makes me think things that defile, nothing that can defile can enter it. Lord, how come I get to come in? How come I get to be there? Because, you know, honestly, if I'm, if I'm honest with myself, personal responsibility, we read from Daniel, you know, last week, if I'm honest, I bring difficulty to everything that I'm involved in. My marriage is difficult because of me. Me being a dad is difficult because of mostly me, you know? Uh, my relationships with other people. Even this church, you guys suffer through me leading the church, right? It's difficult because of me and you. You know, you're not off of But that's your own personal responsibility, right? We defile stuff. And yet God himself stepped into our world and washed us completely white, not with just a magic wand, like woohoo, with his blood, with his sacrifice, with 33 years of demonstrated unbelievable love that left the guys that he walked with and knew and his mom and his brothers, it left them changed forever. So much that, you know, Andrew Gibson was praying before church, those guys turned the world upside down 
That's what the, the church's enemies said of the disciples. Nobodies that knew that they were kings in a kingdom that was coming. Nobodies that knew that there was glory and honor to bring to the high king, the highest king, when they entered into his kingdom. Oh, you read that again. There shall be, by, you know, there shall by no means enter anything that defiles, causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Oh, but Sam, I'm not written in that book. Well, then ask him to write you in. Make a choice. Let me tell you a story. I've got to, I've got to be careful with details here. This is a long time ago in a place very far, far away. That's not Star Wars. Um, so I was working on a house. And we, beautiful house on the coast. And I was pulling off siding. Siding was beautiful. The deck was flashed properly, which if you're ever building a deck and you need a perspective, I will help you with your perspective. You need to flash your deck the right way or you're gonna pay later. And it's like, oh, like a $3 piece of metal. You need that. Um, anyway, so everything on the outside, the deck, the siding, the, you know, the, the not felt paper, but the underlayment, you know, the, the fabric, you know, that keeps moisture. All of that was right on, you know, it was done right. And yet we pulled that away. And inside, I think you guys know what I mean when I say a sill. It's what the whole house sits on, the piece of wood at the bottom. Uh, modern houses, they're, they're pressure treated, you know, usually a two by six. Old houses, sometimes they're eight by eights and they're not pressure treated, although you find lots of different things. And this was a modern house pressure treated sill that was this whole wall this whole structure was built about 10 years before and when we pulled off the siding and I stuck my hand in it was gone it was powder it was like silk and I pulled it back and I pulled it out and I looked at my boss and I said what what's wrong here and he said moisture and I said but the siding's not wet, the deck's not, the, the rain is going over there. Like, what's wrong here? He said, it's coming from inside. And the crazy thing about this particular job was I walked into the basement, which was kind of a crawl space. It was more humid than any other place I'd really been in my life. I think like a diamond mine or a sweatshop. Like, it was like whoosh, oppressive. And I walked in there and I walked out and I said, but if the problem is inside and we're just going to replace this, won't it happen again? He says, yeah, it will. And just so you don't think bad of him, I said, but did, we, did you talk to the owner? He said, no, they had, they had a, another contractor come in and install an air exchange system like three years ago that they're convinced is taking care of the problem. And I tried to tell them that it wasn't doing anything enough, and I showed them the signs of moisture all through their basement, but they are just, they're dead set. They've taken care of the problem and they're good. And uh, I couldn't convince them. So we're just gonna rebuild it because the house will fall down if we don't, right? No sill, collapsed, you know, you know, it's just a big problem. And I said, wow, that's amazing. It's like they don't wanna know the truth. They don't want it to be exposed so they can really fix the problem. And they're just slapping stuff, new stuff on the side but the problem is not on the outside coming in, it's on the inside coming out. You know what Jesus said that? He said, what defiles a man is not coming from the outside. He said, what defiles a man comes out of our hearts. 
And so when I look at this verse, it just reminds me the greatest thing that God is doing right now is he is changing and preparing our hearts for there. I need my heart to be changed. If it's not, I'll be just like that house and just like that moist basement and a, a couple weeks, days, months, maybe I can hide it a little longer, it will come out. And you, the rot, what defiles, what's an abomination, what's a lie will be exposed. God is saying eternity is not going to be like that for those that I change their hearts. I pull them out. You know, uh, I think it's fitting to end. I, and I just happened to turn, and I'd like you to turn. We'll end here. But First Peter chapter 1, I bet you guys can all guess where we're going to read. And guess away. I think it's just as good to be reminded again of what this says. But, you know, we sometimes think Revelation is this, like, super secret book where everything's, like, symbolic and, like, confusing. It's not. It's just, it's it's God telling it like it is at the end of the story. Look, I, 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 I want to say this. Well, yesterday, me and Hannah were swimming at Prince Thomas Park, and she, waves were big because the wind was coming in strong. And she grabs me in the water, you know, wraps her legs around me, hugs me as tight as she can, and looks me right in the eye. And she goes, I mean, it's been a crazy week for some of us and others. But, you know, anyway, Hannah looks at me. She hugs me. She goes, if we die, we die. <laughs> and I was just like, well, that was strangely poetic, like from you especially. If we die, we die. I was thinking, you know what? I've been reading my Bible. And if we die, we die. This is what's real and what's coming and this is truer than anything here. Everything here is just a shadow. It's a copy. It's, it's, it's pointing us to the real. And, and when I pick up First Peter and I read it with that, that kind of perspective, listen, just follow along with me. Blessed be the God and Father, First Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy, that's something we could never have earned or deserved, has borne us again. He's given us a changed heart. He's borne us again. He's begotten us again to a living hope. A living hope. You know why people are scared and confused and depressed? Because they don't have the hope that we have. They don't know there's something after. They don't know there's someone after. They don't know that it's good after. You know, suicide's an epidemic because people think, I'll end the pain. The pain don't end. Your soul lives on. This, man, a living hope. How was that accomplished? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This man that didn't stay dead and said, neither do you. You don't have to stay spiritually dead and you won't stay physically dead. And we're being, you know, we're being, in verse 4, given an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away. That doesn't fade away. It cannot be taken. It cannot be ruined. It's a gift. It's an inheritance. It's staying forever, preserved or reserved in heaven for you. You who are kept by the power. Whose power is keeping us? God's power. Thank God, because I'm not strong enough to hang on for this ride, right? You're being kept by the power of God through faith. How does faith come? We just experienced it. We read His Word, and we said, this is what's real. This is what he says. You know, we're hanging on, you know, he's hanging on to us and we're being kept 
through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. If you ever feel like, man, there's got to be more, even as a Christian, there's got to be more than this. Pick your chin up. There is. There is. There is. In this you greatly rejoice. Though now, I wish I could skip this verse, but it's here. Though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. And I looked around, I mean, walked through a lot of different stuff with a lot of different people that are here. Various trials, that's for sure. Seems like, you know, the same things don't happen to different people here. It's like all, it's a, it's a wide spectrum of various trials. It says, in this you greatly rejoice in what's coming, even though you've been grieved by these various trials, because what those trials are doing, verse 7, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes. So, though it is tested by fire, Peter gets a little wordy here, kind of like Paul, but he's saying, look, God wants to show you something. And it's just like he did with those servants. God doesn't want you to fail. Did you know that? God is not like, you know, that kind of scorching heat, light, sun, you're burned. God wants you to succeed. They sound like Joel Osteen. Yeah. <laughs> God wants you to succeed in his kingdom. And so what he does is he allows these trials, various trials, if need be, that's up to him, not up to us to show the genuineness of your faith. Sometimes we need to be shown, right? Like, what if... No, I don't even want to say what if. I, I, I heard all you guys ask this to the Leightons, and, and I heard them say it. Everybody's okay, right? Nobody was like, hey, what about your stuff? Like, nobody said that first. Then you have to ask, like, oh, Bob, what about your guitar? Like, that's okay, right? But first, it was, is everybody okay? And, as I, and I can't relate to them. I, and I, a lot of the other things that you guys have experienced, but these things that we go through reveal what God is doing. Sometimes they reveal that we need to grow. Sometimes it's just God saying, look what I've done in you. Look where I'm bringing you. Look what I'm doing in your life. It's real. You're different. You're changing. Can you see it now? And it's like, sometimes we think, oh, the trial is just to reveal what a peon I am. No, 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 no. God is, is showing you that his work, he's at work in your life. That the genuineness of your faith, that's more precious than gold, because gold is going to perish. It's going to be asphalt in heaven. It's going to be tested by fire and that it may be found to praise, honor, and glory. We just read about those things at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, you believe. Yet believing, you rejoice with, with joy inexpressible and fullness, full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. No, it's just, it's just a good spot to go back and realize that what Revelation is telling us is coming. It's true. God has called us to invest and do His business. And all faithfulness is success. You can't fail if you're being faithful. I love that. I, I, I know you guys love that too. 
right? Because it's not about your talents, not about your gifts, not about your words, not about your money, not about your education. It is about your faithfulness to the one that was oh so faithful to us. I love that. I love it. So, hey, read ahead, please. Revelation 22. We're going to go for it and try to finish it next week. And, uh, you know, pray. Pray for... <laughs> yeah, that's like, it's 11. <laughs> it's time to be done. You know, pray that... Uh, Pray for wisdom as, uh, you know, uh, I'll share this uh, Thursday night after service. uh, You're welcome to come. There's some that are meeting to pray. And some of the things that we're praying about is how to go forward in the madness that is right now all around us. And, uh, you know, trying to do well. And, uh, you know, pray for us at home. Pray for your church leaders. You know, pray for each other. Uh, To watch you guys respond in times of need when you see other people going through trials is amazing, too. And it's uh, also showing the genuineness of your faith. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for where we got to be today. Thank you for speaking to us. Um, And now, Lord, you've given us the rest of this Sunday to live it out. Lord, and um, to think about the things that you've said and to put them into practice in our lives. Lord, um, to love you and to love the people around us. Even our enemies, you said. That's crazy, Lord. Only you can change our heart to accomplish these things and prepare us for the eternity you've brought down to us. Pray this in your name. Amen. Hey, grace and peace, guys.